Welcome to the Retirement Pilot with Steve Hoover. Please discard unnecessary fees and expenses before going through security. Check your emergency fund at the gate and securely stow your well-conceived portfolio in the overhead bin. And when we reach cruising altitude, remember, you are now free to move about retirement. Hey gang, welcome into the Retirement Pilot this week. Appreciate your time as always here on the podcast. What's going on, Mr. Hoover? How are you? Doing great, thanks, Mark. How are you doing? I'm hanging in there, doing pretty good. What's been exciting this week? Uh, just working and plugging away? Just working and plugging away, dealing with the heat. And, yeah. You know, that's just the way it is during the summer. That's the way it rolls sometimes, but you know, it is what it is, right? It's uh, it's easy to complain when it's too hot and it's easy to complain when it's too cold. It's always something. So That's right. It's always something. <laughs> always something. Well, let's jump into our show this week, Steve. I've got some classic rookie mistakes for us to go over. And by rookie, I mean pre-retiree mistakes. There's some financial planning blunders that are definitely interesting to talk about that are pretty rare in, in reality. So uh, on the other hand of that, though, conversely, there's a lot of pretty common mistakes that we all kind of step into because for most of us, we don't we're not ever planning more than one retirement. Right. We're only going to have one. Uh, so you do this every you know, every day, all day long. So you can see some of these pitfalls coming. But for most of us. It's easy to step into these kind of pre-retiree classic mistakes, if you will. So I've got a few of them. I'll let you jump in with some anecdotes and some things you think uh, would be interesting to share. One of them that typically is on the list is not remembering to adjust how we invest or how we expose ourselves to risk as our age increases versus when we're younger. So for example, you know, I'm, I'm 49 this year and I've started looking at taking some risk off the table versus what I did when I was 30. Now, I still got a little ways to go, so I'm not going to get too crazy yet, but I've started to be aware of that. And that is a, a good way to be aware of it because, you know, you when you're younger, you have something that somebody who's older doesn't have, and that's called time. Yep. Because being it's time in the market, it's not timing of the market, if that makes sense. Because nobody can time when to get in or get out of the stock market. You can get lucky every once in a while, but long term, you're not going to make it. So when you're doing that, sometimes taking risk off the table is not a bad option as you get a little older. What we find is some people maybe didn't start saving when they were younger. Right. So they feel they need to take more risk to make up for that lost time. In that case, that's not very prudent because if, you be if, careful, you're gonna yeah. get a, if you're going to get a big return, you better be ready for a big loss. And if you're older, you don't have time to make that up. Right. Well, to see tw end of 2019 versus beginning of 2020, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. How, you know, how exactly. The, how the market did. You know, I was just having a conversation. You're talking about that with timelines. You know, one of these nice little things that kind of coincide together um, is kind of a perfect storm that happens as we get to pre-retiree age, let's say 50 and above. Typically, these three things are coming together. The kids are coming off the payroll. They're probably done with college. You're no longer really supporting them. You're probably making the most money that you've ever made in your 50s. And there's also the catch-up provisions that the government make available uh, in order to try to put more away, as you mentioned, in case you felt like you were behind the eight ball. So those three things kind of come together at a nice time to to maybe help us make up a little ground as well without necessarily being, you know, exposing ourselves to too much risk. Uh, totally agree. That's absolutely right on, right on topic. 
Okay. All right. So that's something to think about. Again, that's number one there when you're talking about classic rookie mistakes. Another one is Social Security. Steve, often I talk with people and I see them talk and think about Social Security as its own entity of itself away from their plan or strategy rather than it being a corporate, you know, incorporated into it. It's like you'll hear people say, well, I've got my 401k and I've got this IRA and I've got a rental property, let's say, and I've got a, you know, I don't know, an insurance policy. And then I have Social Security versus saying I've got, you know, it feels like they kind of separate it when it really should be an inclusive piece. Yeah, you need to manage your Social Security kind of like an asset class. Um, there are a variety of strategies you, yeah. you can use to enhance how much you're going to receive. And there's, it's all within the law that the Social Security Administration has. But yeah, you, you need to take that into account with everything else that you have. You have to plan for that. There are a lot of issues in terms of the strategy of Social Security um, that, that really can help you. But yeah. you also have to remember that your Social Security benefits are going to be taxed more than likely. Most people exceed what's called a provisional income level, which means either half of your Social Security benefits or 85% of your Social Security benefits are going to be subject to income tax. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm saying it needs to be taken into a plan. You need to understand how that works. Uh, some people say, well, I hit 62. I'm just going to turn it on. Taking it. Well, right. that might make sense and it might not. Let's at least do a plan and see what that looks like. And that's a great um, point. I mean, my brother just turned sixty-two uh, three weeks ago, and you know, he was joking. He was he was he was all upset. He was like, "Man, I guess officially I'm a senior citizen now, right?" <laughs> so I was like, "Well, I guess hey, however you want to word it, you know." And he said, "I guess I could just go turn Social Security on." And I was like, "Well, you're still working." don't do that. You know, and I said, unless you've, you know, have you talked with your advisor about it? He's like, no, I was just saying, I guess I could turn it on. I was like, yeah, you can, but don't just do that without seeing how it's going to affect things. Plus you're still working. So, you know, make sure you're having those conversations, right? And you bring up a good point. Here's one of the things people don't understand or not aware of. Yes, you can turn it on at 62. Two things happen. Number one, you're going to take about a 25% permanent reduction in your benefit by doing that. That's because you're taking it uh, at 62 before your full retirement age. Number two, more importantly, if you are still working, they're going to limit how much money you can earn before they start taking back your Social Security. So essentially, a good rule of thumb is, is if you go out and have a job, whether it's part-time or full-time, doesn't really matter, and earn over about $35,000 a year in that job, and you're drawing Social Security prior to your full retirement age, you're basically just going to give it back to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you need to be very careful about taking it early. If you're not working at all, maybe that works. But if you're still working or thinking about going back to work, I would recommend not taking it. A great point. I mean, and that's why we're having this conversation about, are you making some of these classic pre-retiree mistakes? And again, it's okay, you know, to realize that it happens to a lot of us because we don't do this every day. So, you know, having a plan, working with an advisor, listening to our podcast, subscribing to our podcast, that's ways hopefully we can help you get around some of that and maybe not step into some of those bear traps, if you will. Tax prep versus tax planning. That's another one on the list. It seems as though that... Most of our life, right, Steve, we focus on, well, it's April, right? Or April's coming. Here it comes. But as we get closer to retirement and get into retirement, as the old saying goes, it's not what you make, it's what you keep. And so that could be a year-long thing. Absolutely. And tax planning doesn't start uh, December 31st. Tax planning starts right, right. Or, basically. Or in my case, April 1st. <laughs> right, right. You know, you, you need to be, or yeah, or April 14th, just before you file right, your Right, exactly. 
you need to be looking at your assets in, and I call it tax diversification, where you need to be looking at your, your money or your, where you're going to get your income from three buckets, what I call tax-friendly buckets. That's maybe if you have an account outside of a retirement account, maybe a stock account or mutual funds, because those are taxed at capital gains, which is lower. And in some cases, depending upon your income, you don't pay any capital gains tax. The other is tax unfriendly. Those are your IRAs, 401ks, 403bs, any money that's never been taxed, all of that's going to be taxable at your current rate. And the third is tax-free. Those are Roth IRAs, Roth 403bs, Roth 401ks, life insurance. None of that will ever be taxed. So what you have to do is you have to start planning that. And you need to do that not just January 1st, but it's a long-term plan to do some tax planning or tax income planning so that you draw money from those three buckets to minimize your taxable income. Again, it's how much you keep, not what you uh, take in. I get it. Exactly. I mean, that's saying things exist for a reason, right? <laughs> a lot of those yeah, are out you, there. there. There's something that the wealthy and the wealthy gets get knocked in this country because they say the wealthy don't pay their taxes. Right. They, they don't pay their fair share. That's a, I'm not going to debate that with people. But what I'm going to tell you is that the wealthy know how to use the tax law to their benefit. Right. I mean, a, every, lot, of, a lot of times it's having a team, right? It's having, it's putting the right, it, giving, I guess it, you might say getting the right advice and the right advice giver. Exactly. And, and they hire people to come in and say, within the law, here's what you can do and mm-hmm. here's the benefit of it. Mm-hmm. So all they're doing is using the law to their benefit. They're not using loopholes. They're not doing anything illegal. Most <laughs> of them are just using the law that's there that everybody has available. Right. A lot of people just don't know what's out there. Sometimes you don't know what you don't know. You didn't know that those were available to you and that you can utilize them. Yeah, it always so. cracked me up a whole, the whole loophole conversation because if it's in there, it's not a really a loophole. You know, it's, so. it's not a loophole. There are there are no tax loopholes. Right. We tend there to it's tax like a, law. Yeah. It is it is black and white. Yeah. You can do a or you can do B, but there's no quote loophole. Yeah. It, you know, and as, as humans, we kind of assign these little terms to things. And I think, I don't know if it just is supposed to make us feel better or, or maybe it feels like we're, you know, allows us to feel like we're getting over on something. I actually just watched something last night. I saw some person uh, and they were talking about, is there, you know, what is some of the best they were asking other students? What's some of the best ways to potentially cheat on an exam? And, and the person actually wrote, for me, I stay up really late and I just, you know, and I just try to memorize as much stuff as I can ahead of time so that I can, you know, just apply it to the test. And it's like, that's not cheating. That's studying. <laughs> that's what you're supposed to that's do. That's what you're supposed to do. It's, like, it's the same kind of concept, right? We tend to sometimes think, oh, maybe I could take advantage of this loophole. It's not really a loophole. It's there. It's just, you're actually just taking advantage of what's in the code. So correct. There and you, you go. And you, you need to know what those are and yeah. you need to be able to take them. You know, I, I or just at least hire someone that does know and work with them. Right. Right. Exactly. You know, we, we know, I know some different ones that some people don't know. It just kind of riles me up when I hear people, well, they just use the loopholes. Well, there is no loophole. <laughs> and that's just a, a, a popular um, term that, that means nothing in the tax code. The tax code says you can do this, you can do that. Yep. Um, <laughs> if you step out of that, now you're not following the tax code. You're, you're now, now you're running a risk of having some right. real problems. Yeah. Now, yeah, now you're going over to the dark side, so to speak. All right. So a couple more here on our classic pre-retiring mistakes, assuming, and that's, you know, what happens when you assume that most of your retirement healthcare needs are covered by Medicare, a big tripping spot for a lot of folks, because I think unless, until you get closer and start getting some of the documentation and so on and so forth, we kind of think Medicare is going to do more than it does. It does. It covers virtually 
depending upon what type of plan you get on, whether it's an advantage plan or a supplemental plan, mm-hmm. it will cover the vast majority of your Well, it's expenses. hospital and doctors and things, but exactly. you've got and to do all the other to, pieces, right? Yeah, if you have to have a new hip or new knee or anything of that nature, those those are typically covered and or heart procedure. So you're really pretty good on that. The things that it doesn't cover, number one, it doesn't cover, believe it or not, hearing aids for mm-hmm. most people. Okay. Hearing aids go. are not yeah. covered and they're expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you're talking $3,000 a year. So those aren't covered. And just some other ancillary expenses are not covered by Medicare. And, and long-term uh, care is one that's not covered. And I think a lot of people think that it is. That that was going to be my next point. Oh, okay. Uh, sir, you know, having to go to a long-term care facility or having long-term care help in your home, that's not not covered uh, by Medicare. Medicare is not going to cover it, that. It only forever. kicks in, if I'm correct, Steve, on this one. You're basically broke, right? When you're destitute. No, uh, no, that's Medicaid. Oh, Medicaid. Okay, Medicaid. thank you. Thank you. Medicaid is if you you have no money and you need care, whether it's health care, if you're under 65 for Medicare, or if you're in a nursing home, you're on Medicaid. Uh, that means they take all your social security and then they, they pay the balance. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, but it is, it is essentially, um, if you're, you're totally broke Yeah. on Medicare, what I'm talking about on, on that is people think, well, if I'm on Medicare, I'll go to a, a long-term care facility and they'll pay for it. Mm-hmm. No, they're not going to pay for it. Right. They're going to maybe pay for respite care for 30, wow. 60, 90 days. Gotcha. After that, you're on your own. And I was just talking with somebody, a gentleman, I did a podcast just last week with him on my Kansas City Connections business podcast. Mm-hmm. And on it, he owns a company called Senior Care Consulting. And he goes out and works with people to try to find the right long-term care facility for their loved one. And they're not compensated by anybody else. They, it is a, you know, a fee for service and they're going to do all the due diligence. And he said, right now, a decent facility is running about $8,000 a month. If you get up to more memory care or even a higher end, you're talking 15000 a month Wow! Yeah. in care. So it is very expensive and the numbers are there that people are going to do it. So people should not get fooled into the fact that Medicare is going to cover that or anything other than doctor's visits, hospitals, and some of those things. There are going to be some things that you're going to have to pay for. Long-term care is one of them. All right. So these are all part of our list of classic pre-retiree mistakes. And yeah, uh, don't forget to check out Steve's other podcast he's just started doing. It's kind of a business-to-business, business-owner type of podcast, uh, and that is uh, KC Connection. So check that out. That is, uh, that's available. You can find that on his website as well at wealthpartnerskc.com. Final one, Steve, it's kind of really kind of scene number one here, and that's just taking additional risk to make up for lost time. We kind of touched on that, talking about you know investing at 59 the way you maybe do at 39 or you know, trying to swing for the fences because you feel like you got behind the eight ball. So you got to be careful. We all tend to, I don't know, it seems like we, as we get close to retirement, we start trying to squeeze out as much as we can because just what if, right? Well, just a few more dollars might make that difference without realizing that putting that risk out there could send you the other way. And that makes even a bigger difference. And I'm glad you brought this up because here, here's a misnomer on retirement. It's not how big your nest egg is that's going to determine how well your retirement's going to go. Everybody likes to have a big nest egg. What you're really trying to accomplish in retirement is income. How can I make sure what I've saved lasts my entire time or my spouse's time for a 30-year retirement? And it has to do with certain portions of your nest egg being guaranteed income. And unfortunately, some people think and look at only the, the, the big pot, how big I got it, as opposed to, okay, how much income is that going to be able to generate for us? 
And so it's very important that you understand you're, you have no retirement until you have reliable, predictable, sustainable income. That's what you're trying to get to. Not being the greatest stock picker, but if you can pick stocks or do certain other vehicles to give you that income, that's what you need to be looking at. How do I make sure I have the right asset mix to get me the income I want that increases with inflation and taxes? Because those are your two stealth enemies, taxes and inflation in retirement. So it's all about income. There you go. All right, folks. So that's going to do it this week for our podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed that and picked up something new. If you did, if you got questions about it, reach out to Steve before you take any action. Check with him, especially if you are a pre-retiree like myself, if you're getting into that range. Uh, always bounce these ideas off of someone, a qualified professional like Steve. is a financial coach at Wealth Partners Corporation, and you can find him online at wealthpartnerskc.com. That is wealthpartnerskc.com. Click on the podcast page while you're there. Don't forget to subscribe to our show, The Retirement Pilot, on Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever platform you choose. Or maybe you're listening to it and you haven't done so yet. Well, whatever app you're on, just go ahead and hit the uh, follow or subscribe button, whatever that might be on the different apps. And we would certainly appreciate it. Share it with folks who might benefit from the message as well. Just have them search the retirement pilot on their app of choice. And that's another great way to find Steve. Or just call him at 913-685-3207. And Steve, my friend, thanks for your time as always. I appreciate you. I hope you have a great week. And we'll do it again soon. Thanks, Mark. We'll see you next time here, folks, on the retirement pilot with Steve Hoover. Have a great week. Stay safe. Stay sane. And we'll see you soon. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.